Welcome back to Supporting Both Ends of the Lead. I'm Caroline, a Certified Animal Behaviourist. And I'm Dr Linda Blair, a Clinical Psychologist. We're here to bring you today's double dose of well-being for you and your dog. And it's time to get started, don't you think? Hello everybody, welcome back to a beautiful month. May is so beautiful, I love May. It's full of promise, full of light, full of everything growing. Um, and as we talked about last time, it's full of holidays <laughs> this year. What a treat. We have this unique opportunity to enjoy so much uh, non-structured time that we can structure more our way. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about in a funny way. It may seem unrelated to perhaps May or bank holidays, but it just made me think uh, about the importance of not just enjoying what we get, but preparing to enjoy what we get. Um, I can't speak for dogs, and that's why I rely on Caroline so heavily, and so I'll be listening to you in a minute. But So we don't know how much dogs think ahead. Well, I don't know. You probably do. But um, you, Caroline. Uh, but um, what I do know with humans is that, well, let me give you an example to make it clear and to set the scene for today. Uh, there's, uh, I was asked a couple years ago to write about the uh, holidays, how to truly to enjoy your summer holiday. Um, because so many people, you know, they say, oh, it's chaos or it went wrong or something like that. So how do you get the most out of your summer holiday? So I had to study what is the most enjoyable part of a holiday in general for people. Has there been research? There has. There's been a lot of research in um, Holland on this topic. Don't know why Holland, but there has. And can you guess, Caroline, because I haven't told you, uh, can you guess what is the most enjoyable part of a holiday, overwhelmingly? I suppose getting into that car or on that plane as you know you're going, maybe? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> Do you want to fall in another fence or shall I tell you? You tell us. You tell <laughs> I'll us. tell you. I can't wait. You see, I'm not too good <laughs> on anticipating. The most enjoyable part of a holiday by far is planning it. Not going on it. Not coming back. Not reflecting. Not anything. Planning it. So it to me is a microcosm of what we get out of, out of life so poignantly is planning it. Why? Well, thinking about things ahead of time uh, allows us to imagine it the way we want it to be. You know, when you're actually there, the plane may be delayed, uh, the room may be much smaller than you thought it was going to be. It Your might family rain. members are all driving you mad. <laughs> yes, yes, it may be raining every day, who knows? But when you plan it, when you think about it, when you dream about something beforehand, then it's perfect. Oh, and by the way, this is a little off topic, but it's so interesting. Guess what? No matter how long you go away for holiday, no matter how much money you spend, no matter um, how far away you go, the effect of a holiday is pretty well worn off by 14 days <laughs> from return. So do not 
worry about stressing your budget. You can go 10 miles down the road and have just as much enjoyment, which will last just as long as if you fly across the world. So just just a little aside there. But um, I'm going back now to anticipation. This is something which I lament we may be losing a little bit in our world. Certainly, I now, if I want something, I think, go. Oh, order it now. It'll be delivered tomorrow. Good. No thought about whether I really want that. Um, often I wake up the next morning thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't ordered that. I don't really think I need it. And it's put a hole in my budget. Um, we don't get the joy of earning it. I don't know if you remember uh, as a kid budgeting for something and saving up and, and then getting it or saying what you want for Christmas and being so excited for Christmas because you have to wait until then to get whatever it is. That's like that planning of a holiday. It's the best bit. And I'm worried that we're losing it. So I'm here to vote for anticipation, for waiting time, because I believe it's good. And I bet it's good for our dogs. I am I right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever pulled up at your dog's favorite walking spot. Um, my old girl, who we sadly lost a couple of years ago, she, um, if we turned up at one particular, it was an arbor it's an arboretum, if we turned up there or if we turned up at the beach, and like, I'm talking, probably two, three minutes away from that place, she would start crying. And the same thing when we pull up uh, at my uh, in-laws um, uh, road as well. And so there's anticipation there. So there's obviously a scent um, or a change or something from patterns in the past that uh, sparks a memory of happiness for her. And she would, she would cry with excitement. Um, and it's so joyful to see when our dogs realize that something fun is about to happen. Obviously, they don't have, unfortunately, that that opportunity to plan as we would <laughs> and um, and to know that tomorrow they might be getting to go to their favorite place. Um, but they can still enjoy some form of, of anticipation in that way. Um, but I'd also love to talk about how we can use anticipation in training with our dogs. But before we do that, was there anything that you feel that we can do to kind of I guess build up anticipation so that we can as humans can enjoy it more Linda um in in respect to our dogs or for no, in respect of ourselves yeah um well I think to um to to plan it in a way that when you actually do achieve whatever it is the holiday the special day out the the dinner that you've been waiting for, that um, you feel uh, comfortable leaving your ordinary routine to go do that. So the planning must also involve uh, making sure you you uh, take care of the, the garden will be looked after or my flat will be clean before I go so I don't walk back into a complete tip or whatever. I think that helps a lot because you feel this freedom then when as soon as you uh, leave to actually enjoy what's going to happen because when you come back you'll come back to a clean slate yeah. everything's ready for you to resume your normal life which is also good you know it's yeah. not like uh, it, one's black and one's white but it gives a sense of joy to both of them I think so I think that's real important and I think one of the biggest gifts that dogs give us is 
a positive anticipation of returning home after a holiday if you've left them behind. So um, definitely in your organisation, we always book our dogs in before we've booked any trips that don't include them. Most of our trips do include them, but any any trips that aren't, if we're going abroad, we always book the dogs in before we've booked a flight or anything else because I know then that they are in the place that I will feel comfortable leaving them, whether it be a friend or a very, very trusted pet sitter. but that anticipation of when you're coming back from those trips, if you have left your dogs, don't you feel just so excited to get back <laughs> to see them, to see that tail wag, to get those licks, whatever it might be. Whereas before I had dogs, going back home was always a bit of a downer. It was like, oh. I love that. <laughs> that is so nice. And yes, you're right. And and I do the same thing. I, I The budget for uh, my dogs being looked after is nearly as big as the budget that we have for ourselves, which I keep feeling bad about. But then I think, well, why should you feel bad, Linda? Because they're so important in your life to you that you want them happy too. And you're right. I just think about it all the way back. I usually let the people know that we're nearly there. I don't know whether that's a good idea or not, but so that um, the dogs are definitely there and and, um, we can have a big hug and lick. (laughs) (laughs) So lovely. Um, So just kind of switching tracks a little bit to how we can use anticipation for our dogs in a practical way. Um, I think having time where our dogs can anticipate an outcome is really useful so one thing is is that us being reliable in our reward history with our dogs is really really important for our dogs to have successful learning because if they know that when you have asked them to do a specific cue or behavior um, that they're at some point going to get a really good treat or toy or play or praise whatever it might be that's going to come from you then they can anticipate that and they feel good about doing the exercise they're doing because they're feeling that moment of like oh when's that thing going to come whereas if we were to use punishment um, or we were to withhold rewards when our dogs were doing those behaviors they can become kind of tarnished with a either anticipation of of something negative or an anticipation of letdown so i think it's really important that we think about using rewards when we're working with our dogs and you know from listening to us here on this podcast that we're we're very of that sort of mindset of of treating our dogs as the um, important animals that they are in our lives Um, but we can step it up a bit more and we can actually use anticipation to help change our dog's emotional responses to things so i have one exercise and sorry linda i'm kind of hogging things no i'm loving this i'm I love you. I've been taking notes. I don't know. If you... no, um, but I have. I have one favorite exercise that I teach so many of my clients, all my club members do it. Um, but a lot of my, my clients who have anxious, reactive, um, lacking confidence dogs, um, I teach them a very, very simple exercise. And I call it ready, steady, go. But you could use any three words. Um, it doesn't matter. But we use three words because it gives our dogs two chances to get it right or to respond and then one word that means the reward's coming right now so what we would do is first of all work on playing this as a little game with our dogs that's so super simple they don't have to do a thing um um, so they know almost automatically their, their brain is going wow yeah that this is the best thing that my humans can be saying because all i get is just free food thrown or a toy or something exciting is going to happen at the end so i would be saying to my dogs ready steady go and on go i'm going to throw a treat or a toy for my dog 
I would repeat that, ready, steady, go, throw a treat or a toy for my dog on go. Over repetitions, you can then start to build up a bit more anticipation by varying your voice. So you're going to add in a little bit more excitement. So ready, <laughs> steady, go. And then you throw the treat <laughs> or the toy. So they have to wait that little bit longer. And what you hopefully start to see is when you're doing that steady is that you get that full on bum wiggle going on and your dog's just like, yeah, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. <laughs> And then what we can start to use this for is situations where dogs are maybe feeling a little bit pessimistic about the world. They're feeling like, you know, something bad is about to happen. Be that because they've seen another dog or a human that they might feel worried about, or there's some traffic, or they're just feeling a bit overwhelmed um, and they, they kind of can't break out of this sort of shutdown mode. They, they need an opportunity to sort of break out of it and be able to just sniff for something to really help kind of balance them out. And what we can do is if we then were to start going, you know, um, Rover, Rover, Rover's trying to call our dog's name, get their attention on us. It could be that our dog just goes, I'm too, I'm just too shut down. I, I can't focus right now. I'm too worried. I'm anticipating something bad. I, I don't know what to do. Whereas if we've had this really good history of us playing ready, steady, go, and our dog knows subconsciously, like, that, that that's just going to create happy stuff in their brain. Um, as soon as we say ready, even if our dog isn't able to respond right at that second, their brain is going to be anticipating the steady coming. And when you say steady, they're probably going to kick into, oh, okay, I get it. I know what's coming. And then you can say, go and throw that toy or treat. And also when you throw that toy or treat, you can redirect their focus in a different direction away from that object or, or being that's worrying them. Um, and get them putting their nose down, trying to find that treat or toy. Um, and it, we can start to pair it every time we see something that might be a little bit worrying to them at a distance, we can say, ready? And they start to go, wow, okay, this seeing this thing gives me the opportunity to get this fun game kick-started. <laughs> so it can really change them from thinking, ugh, when they see that thing, to anticipating, yay, the best game of my life is about to happen. And I think it's also really helps us humans, and this isn't about anticipation, but it helps us humans because we then have a job to do that's positive with our dogs rather than us getting stressed and like tightening up on the lead or, um, you know, panicking or trying to look for an out. We just automatically go into ready, steady, go. And we throw the treat and we get so practiced at saying it in a happy voice um, that it's a habit for us forming as well. So we can easily switch on to happy mode for our dogs. Because you said something earlier, I don't think it was on this podcast, I think it was on another one, about that dogs uh, can smell our stress hormones. So I would see how that would be beneficial also because you would be less stressed yourself because you're already going to do something positive instead of worrying about that human with the hat on and that your dog always gets upset with hats or whatever it is. So I like that because it is, that's a real that's a real example of both ends of the lead, isn't it? My goodness. And and there was something else I thought of when you were talking about the the ready, steady, go game, but it, it's not quite the same. But, you know, I think our dogs, well, from my observation, not I don't know as much as you, but from my observation, our dogs benefit physiologically as well from anticipation in terms of their digestion. And I'll tell you this because... My Labrador, if I just plonk her food down, she gulps it. And and then I don't know if she's uncomfortable, but she doesn't look very comfortable to me. 
um, and she's certainly looking for more food. Whereas if I get her to sit down and I put the, bo the bowl of food down and then I ask her to wait and watch me until it's time, which is just a few seconds, but she does. I notice, <laughs> please, I hope this doesn't bother anyone, but she starts salivating and sort of drooling. And I would have thought, from what I know about humans, is that makes your digestion better. I am I onto anything here, or is that crazy? Well, she's gone from like hyper mode into rest and digest mode because she's pausing and her body's still. Ah. Um, and for some dogs, waiting for something can be really stressful for them. And actually, as ah. you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, do we need to teach our dogs to wait for their food?" It's not necessary. But I had our, our boy Chester, he used to literally, as a puppy, he was, you know puppies are just famished all the time because they're growing so much. He used to throw himself at the cupboard door where his bowl was, like oh. just absolutely oh. manic. And like you say, not good. When they're getting into that level of arousal, it's not good. So by teaching him, we taught him that he had to lie down while we would put his food in the bowl and then he could have it. He was in a calmer state. His, he hadn't built up all that adrenaline. Um, he might be anticipating the food coming and getting excited, but he, his body physically wasn't moving in the same way. So I think it does help in terms of that rest and digest. And if we go back to how dogs would have <clears throat> eaten, you know, um, um, or if we go back to sort of grey wolves times, um, the idea would have been that they would have obviously chased, hunted, um, and then consumed. So they would have done a job and then consumed rather and than just found. Um, well, I mean, there would be sometimes they might find a dead carcass or something, but <clears throat> most of the time they would have done a job and then consumed. So, yeah, by asking them to do something first, that could help. Yeah, and even my my zoology knowledge is jumping in here. Even mm -hmm. if they found the dead carcass, they would stalk it for a minute or two because they have to make sure it's safe and that there's no predator around in the middle of eating it. You know, so um, I think there is a pause in natural. You're right. You know, I didn't think of that. That's that's really good. I know I chose a breed that uh, you know Labradors are greedy <laughs> and um, so but but you reminded me that when she was a puppy and I didn't do that she would often throw up when she was done eating because she ate so fast but when I got her to stop for what it isn't very long but I just got her to be seated and to see the bowl on the ground then she hasn't touched wood thrown up since so um, I think you're right. I think we're without finally rediscovering the wheel, aren't we? <laughs> we're, we're mimicking their natural tendency, which would be huge anticipation. The hunt is, is that perfect time. You know, I'm thinking of that food. Boy, that food looks good in front of me. I'm going to get that food. And um, so it, it, it is true that anticipation is better physiologically. I take your point, however, probably is breed dependent and particular dog dependent to some extent. Yeah, and I think it's it's about how we teach it, you know, when we're teaching it kindly and for the sake of the dog's welfare <clears throat> over us putting ourselves as, as you know, sort of uh, hierarchically um, more important to the dog that they must obey this command and not eat until I, you know, uh, release them to do so we're doing it kindly I think that's absolutely can be beneficial to the dog mm. and I just started thinking then about um you know you were saying about breeds um that actually allowing our dogs to use their breed outlets can 
allow anticipation too because if you think about things we've uh, bred them for whether that be hunting pointing retrieving ah. sniffing all of that those sort of um the hunt cycle um <clears throat> um is built based on anticipation it's like i've got bassets and my male he will follow a track say and be you know he is working that track it, maybe it's a pheasant track and then he finds the pheasant the pheasant flies in the air and he's not bothered about that pheasant he just wants to find another track to follow and for him the anticipation or, or, the, or the process of just following the scent yeah. is so much more than actually the outcome at the end so yeah. all our dogs breed dependent are going to act differently around food toy play stimulation whatever it is so it's about working obviously always with the dog that's in front of you rather than mm -hmm. thinking about what every dog typically should have to do that that's fabulous and and what you're saying there is it, not just waiting but how a dog waits is important so I just saw, as you spoke so clearly, the difference between my Labrador and my Spaniel. My Spaniel, when we do treasure hunt, I always, what you call sniffari, don't you? I love that. Um, I call it treasure hunt, but I mean, I don't think they care what I call it as long as I do it, um, is I let her sniff the treats before I hide them. Whereas with my Labrador, there's no point. Um, I show them to her. Um, I don't know what that says about their breed, but um, it certainly works. Um, so good point. Now we don't have to sniff <laughs> our holidays before they happen, but, um, I think I, I just, I just want to raise the awareness of the joy of waiting to get hold of something you want. It isn't just holidays. Um, there've been two studies, uh, out in the last week. Uh, two separate studies in separate countries, so they're not related to one another, but one has showed, shown the very high levels of anxiety and distress uh, in teenagers, and it even seems to override their awareness. You know, we, it's easier now to say I'm, I have mental health problems because it's much more in the open and it's not in, uh, so shameful to do it, I hope, and to mention it. And it's also, we have the, the words to use. Even with that in mind, the levels are higher than they've been in a very, very long time. And another study studied women over 50. I don't know why they chose that particular, I think 50 to 64 was the age group they chose, but they found they too are more likely to be depressed or highly anxious or hopeless than ever before. Now, there will be many reasons for that. I would never trivialize the, that research to say uh, there's one obvious reason. And of course, neither study knows why. They just ob have observed this is the first step in research is to observe a correlation or a, 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 a change in behavior. And then we look at cause effect. But my clinical knowledge tells me that one of the reasons is that we don't spend as much time being sure we can be happy. Because when you're waiting, as I said, things are perfect. You can imagine exactly what you want and what you're going to do with it and how you're going to enjoy it, and nothing gets in the way because it's just your thoughts. When it actually happens, a lot of things can make it go wrong, especially if you didn't spend very long being careful in your choice. 
So we're depriving ourselves of opportunities to be happy. And I think that's part of the problem. So please, you know, wait. <laughs> wait a little bit when you want something. Don't just punch a keyboard and get it straight away. Think about it. That's, that's just something I think will make us happier. I really do. I love that. Planning is the way forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly anticipation. Yeah. Anticipate. And for you uh, with the dogs, I love the way you, you show how that can relieve, relieve their anxiety and probably increase their sense of security, I would imagine, because they, they, they do know what's going to happen or what's very likely to happen by your behavior. That, that's so nice. Yeah. So shall we do just one things? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to go first? Do it. Okay. My just one thing's pretty obvious, which is when you next want something, instead of ordering it, wait. If possible, sleep on it. Uh, if possible, even let it go more than 24 hours. You might change your mind. And certainly while you're thinking about it, you will enjoy yourself because that's in your control. That's fantastic. And mine would be to add more anticipation into your dog's life if you can. Teach them the Ready, Steady, Go game. It really is a game changer. Um, and what I will do is add a little link to a video showing you how you can teach it to your dog um, in case you need a visual prompt um, in the show notes below. So please do check them out. Is that you that does the video? It is, yes. Yeah. Well, then it'll be good. I can tell everybody that. <laughs> good teacher. So hopefully you'll now be, uh, have, be I don't know, walking uh, on finishing up your walk and perhaps anticipating what we'll be talking about in our next episode <laughs> of the podcast. Ooh, but, that was quick. <laughs> but we do appreciate you spending the time with us today. It's been great. And uh, have, have the wonderful rest of your walk. And we look forward to talking to you again with uh, whatever we decide is our next topic. And please... Write in if you want anything in particular for us to talk about, because we'd be so happy to do it. Take care. Bye.